Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? He is always good, no matter what. I just want to continue right away, uh, right into the um, book of Daniel. I've just been, who has gone and read Daniel recently? I encourage you, if you haven't read it yet, as, as I've been speaking on it the last couple of weeks, I just encourage you, there's, there's so much, and really I'm only touching a small portion of it, but I want to go right away to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. If you have your Bible, or, or it will be on the screen, you can turn to Daniel 3. But firstly, I just want to recap one quick point that who put Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Babylon? Who put them there? God did, right? We looked at that last week. God put them there. God, we looked at last week, just started to touch on, and I'm going to recap this throughout today's sermon, that Babylon in the Old Testament is a very close picture. It's a, it's a close picture to the life that we are living in right now as Christians, the Bible says that you are in the world, right? Who's in this world? Anybody here in this world? <laughs> if you're alive, if you're breathing, you're in the world. But the Bible then tells us, but you are not of this world. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. And Babylon is a picture of this. It wasn't really even Daniel's, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's fault that they were even there. It's not even your fault that you're in the world that you are. You are at fault because we're human. But it, was, it happened way long ago by a man named Adam. Adam and Eve, right? They sinned and they welcomed us into this world we live in now. And God has a promise of redemption, doesn't he? And God had promised them in Babylon... The world that we live in today, like Babylon, is not our home, and yet we are here. They were taken from their home, from perfection. God had, had paved the way and made a place for His people. He made a place just as He made a perfect place for Adam and Eve to live in, and sin brought them out. Sin brought them out of the land of Israel and into Babylon. And that's why we are here, but Christ in us right, makes us conquerors. Jesus walked on top of the waters. Even though there was a natural world around him, he just decided to bypass it. And you are in this world, but you do not have to live under its submission. You can walk right on top of the waves, the winds blowing in your face, and even though you're in this world as he was in the flesh, you do not have to sink. You are not compelled the Bible says, and I'm, I'm short on the reference, but it says, in the NLT, it says that you are not compelled to sin. You sin by choice. We sin by choice. We chose to come to him and we, we walk away from him by choice. But thank you, God, by his grace and his mercy and his love that, that overwhelms us. He helps us through every single obstacle, every single choice. He redeems us and keeps redeeming us, doesn't he? And he had a plan to redeem them here in Babylon, didn't he? God was going to, but there is a time that you are here. There is a redemption for your soul. You will be eternally embodied uh, in Christ, in a new body, with life that 
comes from him. There's no need for the sun because his light is shining. There's no need for oxygen because God is breathing upon you constantly in eternity. But, everybody say but. As I mentioned many times, but we are still here on this earth, and it's for a purpose. If he wanted to just redeem you and bring you right to heaven, then he would have done that already. But we are here on this earth, and it's for a purpose. And God had put them, even though there was, this was a punishment for their sin, God is, he is, he is good to us, isn't he? Just as a parent punishes the child, but doesn't not love the child. It's for your good. And he will use everything, doesn't he? Doesn't God use everything in your life and around you and on the earth and, and even North Korea? <laughs> God's using it somehow, all of it. All of it, God's got a master plan. The devil is meddling and he's doing things and thinks that he's winning and God's working over top of all of it all the time for his grand purpose, isn't he? Amen. So they're here. Say, I'm here. I didn't necessarily choose to be here, but I'm here, and I thank you, God, that you're with me. And these guys in Daniel, they knew that. We need to know that although we're in this world, and this world on its own is oppressive. This world without God is what? Without God, there is nothing. You have an X amount of time to live, and we are guaranteed two things in life, death and taxes. That's it. But with God, I thank you, Lord, that we have life, don't we? We have a purpose. He has given us purpose on this earth. He has immediately, when we say yes to him, become one with us. We have a relationship with him right now, not just in eternity, but it began the moment you said yes to him. The second purpose, as we mentioned many times in this church, and we will continue to preach, is that that light that was put in you was never meant to be trapped inside you. Jesus said, you don't put a light and cover it with a basket. You let it shine for all the house to see. So our purpose is to know him, but also because we know him to let that light out of us. Amen? Amen. So here we are, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It says that King Nebuchadnezzar, he made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura and the province of Babylon. He set up a statue and in verse 5 he says, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments... I want you to bow down to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. It says in verse 6, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. If you live in the kingdom, if you live in this world, you must bow to it. You may not even know you're bowing in the world, but you are bowing down to the kingdom of this world. When you choose to live by its dictates, when you live in this world and by this world, and that's it, this is your world, you are bowing down whether you realize it or not. God is setting us apart, isn't he? God has set his people apart. You know, the word holy, very simple definition is set apart. God is not like the world so he's holy, isn't he? But what does he tell us to be? Be holy because I'm holy. He tells us to be set apart because I'm set apart. I'm not like this world. You don't be like this world. And so if you are in this world, though, it demands that you bow down to it. 
If you don't make the choice not to bow down, you are bowing down. And it says in verse 8, everybody say, but. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Verse 9, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Verse 10, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship. Verse 11, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a burning furnace. It's a very interesting story. I love Daniel, as I've stated, and I love this story so much because there's so many parallels, and, and I won't be able to get into all of it. But this is very interesting that the devil's a copycat, isn't he? All he can do is copy God. <laughs> it's funny that he's, he devises up his own furnace. There's a furnace one day, isn't there? And who's going in it? Not me. That's right. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Not me. But the enemy, our enemy, and the fallen angels are. You know, hell was never designed for humanity. It is not for sin. Did you know that? Hell, God did not create hell for you. He did not create hell for sinners. The only reason a sinner goes to hell is because they're calling Satan their Lord. And that's a very harsh, harsh statement. But Jesus said it, not me. Jesus said to the Jews that should have been looking for him, the holy people, the leaders that should have been looking for him, they said, they're arguing with Jesus, and he just says, your father is the devil, to put it bluntly. They don't receive, he said, if you don't receive me, you're not receiving my father. You have your own father. And it's interesting that the enemy's got his own furnace. But his furnace is only temporary, isn't it? Come on. I want you to say the furnace on this earth is temporary. <laughs> but it exists it does exist. Did you know if you don't bow to this world, there is a furnace? Who has found that as you said yes to Christ, gets a little hot sometimes? <laughs> Come on, everybody, I want you to say this. It's all part of the plan. Come on, you, want to, you know what? You might as well go in the furnace now. Let's get that part over with. Come on, we don't want to go in the eternal furnace. Let's get the burning part over. Let's just get the chaff. That's all it is. The only reason that fire, because God is a consuming fire, isn't he? The only reason that he has to, God has to, he's a God of order. If we were off by one degree, right, in space, we've learned it. You guys all learned it, right? The sun was this way and the moon was this way. I mean, like, we're talking tiny amounts Everything would be in total chaos. God is a God of order. Sin must be below. He must keep sin purified. It was covered in the blood. It was covered in fire. It was salted, right? He has a way, and God is pure. He is holy. And the devil, it looks like he's running around and doing whatever he wants. We just don't understand because we are in time. God's outside of time. He will be thrown into a place of eternal separation, God will be purified. He will purify time and space and the existence of good and evil, all gone and finished up forever in the fire. And the only reason a person follows him in is because they have decided that they don't want to make God their God. They'd rather live their own God. You don't have your own God. There's no such thing as little g-gods. The world's going to argue with me, and that's okay. I'm not worried. They argue with Jesus. I don't care if they argue with me. There are no other gods. There is one God. There's one God. 
God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. One God who we serve. There is no other God, but there are little G-gods running around. They're really just demons demanding your worship, and they're serving their God, however it works. We don't really need to, to major on it today. Satan over that kingdom, over that kingdom of darkness, and all these little G-gods are running around, and when you serve self, when you decide to live for yourself and not for God, you don't realize, but you are bowing down to a demon they actually had physical idols. They would just make the idol. They would take a piece of wood. God makes fun of them. Do you know God makes fun of people? It's funny. He doesn't make fun of us. But he made fun of people who were so silly about creating their own gods instead of just serving him. Isn't that funny? But he says, what are you doing? You carve out wood. You cover it in gold. You go in and worship that. That's God to you? He says in verse 12, but there are some Jews. Everybody say, but. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. Isn't that funny too? Look at these parallels. Come on, you're in charge. God has put you above. Come on, it's all part of the plan. He puts you there. We, we, we read last week that God had actually given them 10 times the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge. God gave these guys tenfold wisdom beyond the other, the guys that were relying on the other realm, the other spiritual realm, the magicians, right? God gave these guys who worshiped him 10 times the wisdom that they had. So God is with these guys. And yet it says that they pay no attention to you, your majesty, they will not worship this world. They don't want anything to do with this world. They're going to be respectful. They're going to, they'll honor you in every other way, but they won't serve your gods. Come on, we need to be integrous. I've been saying this. It's been a little sideline thing. Hasn't been the main point in the sermon, but we need to be integrous people. We don't want to be Christians that the world looks at and goes, okay, well, that's fine. You know, you're talking about your God and our gods, but what I don't get is why you live like I do. That's, it's, it's no testimony. We need to be integrous. We need to be different. We need to honor this, you know, even says it in the word, honor your king. Come on. You need to honor our president. You need to honor those over us, honor the police, honor those that God has, God has actually put them in place over us. But, but when it comes to the point where they push you and make that you bow down to their gods, we cannot go that far. It's so where we must stand up. And it says they refuse to serve your gods. Didn't say they refuse to serve you, but they refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Anything before God is an idol. Anything. If there is anything, whether in your mind, whether in your life, around you, or anything before God is an idol. But it says... Well, firstly, let me say this. The devil doesn't care which God you bow down to. He just wants you to bow down to anything else but God. Doesn't care what it is. That's why there's so many different religions, just to get, create confusion. Because if it was just Satanism and, and Christianity, I think it would be clearer to creation. But there would still be some that don't want him. That's been since the beginning of time. I don't understand that. That's for God in, to understand outside of me. I don't get that. But the devil doesn't care. 
He just, I mean, today it's not even religion. Now it's the lack of religion. I'm just an atheist. I believe in science. Well, I believe in science too. I believe that God created everything and science proves it. But you believe that when you say science, that everything just happened. The point is that they are decided to make their own God. It says in verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. I said last week, we're shaking things up because you're standing. You go on a fast, you start praying, you start trusting God, you start saying, he's my God and I'm not putting any other God before you. You're gonna shake things up in this world because this world has a current. Did you know that there's a current in this world and it is moving against God? It's been moving against God since, since as soon as we came out of the garden, it was moving against God. I didn't say that God did. It said that when he sent the flood uh, with Noah, right? It says that everything in men's heart was evil. Everything they wanted to do was opposed to God. That's the current. We are against the flow, right? We had a saying when I grew up, it's against the flow. We are against the current. And when we turn and we start serving God, you're going to feel that current. You're stronger than it though, right? It takes, there's no, it's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And where's the finish line anyway? Except your death. We're just going to continue. I don't get when Christians retire. <laughs> I mean, you retire from your job, but like guys in the ministry retire because when's the end? My retirement's my death serving God, right? We're just going to minister till the very, very end. But we're just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And I don't care. There's no pace. God, let's just, all we need to do is make sure that the flow, that we're not going with it, that it's coming at your face. But who's been in a strong current before? You can feel it, can't you? It's not hard to feel it. It's quick. As soon as you turn, right? As soon as, who's made a whirlpool in their pool growing up or somewhere? And the moment you turn, right, your body starts flying. If you made a really good one, you get your body to float sideways. We're going to feel it, and the enemy is opposing us. Who's, who's in charge and who always wins? God does. He's over it all, but you will feel it. And the reason I, I preach like this uh, over and over and over again is because I don't want us to be confused when things are like a little bit off, things are going funky in your life. Who's had some funky things go on in your life? And, and you have, in all honesty, wondered where God was. We need to understand that it's just part of the call. It's part of following him, that God has not abandoned you. He's not failed you. You have chosen to go against the flow. And because of that choice, you will win. You will have eternity. You have rewards set up for you. Jesus even said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He went to prepare a place for you the moment you said yes to him. Actually, beyond that, before you ever said yes to him, because he knew you would. But we have decided to go against him. So our enemy, come on, everybody say, we have an enemy. And he flew into a rage and he ordered that they be brought before him. And when they were brought in, verse 14, he said to them, you refuse to serve my gods and to worship the gold statue I've set up. 
I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made. Isn't this funny? I love this story because it's so relevant. Come on, everybody. The Bible is relevant. We just, have to, we just need eyes to see and ears to hear. Once you, your eyes are open, your ears are open, you see how relevant, even today, this is thousands of years old, this story. And it is so relevant today. The enemy, what he'll do is, and I talked to this guy once, he said to me, every time I push into God, my life gets harder. And every time I back up, my life gets easier. Of course it does. You're looking and saying, of course it does. But because we're weak, but Christ knows our weakness, right? Romans 8, he understands our weaknesses. If you let him, he identifies with it. He'll give you strength. But if you don't, we are weak. And unfortunately, he, like so many, actually just chose the easy road. I was just at Staples, and they still have the button. It's an old commercial, but I love it. The easy button. <laughs> Remember the commercials, the, the surgeon's got to do something really complex, and bam, easy button, surgery's over. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. There is no easy button. Did you know that? There's no easy button. There is an easy way, and it is the enemy's way, unfortunately. Broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life, right? Broad and wide, the easy way leads to destruction. The narrow way, the hard way leads to life, but I want life. I'm willing to stay with him. He's gonna stay with me. Come on, he'll stay with you all the way through. And as he does in this story. So in verse 15, he says, I'll give you one more chance. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. If you refuse to submit to this world, you will be thrown into a furnace. That's why I don't have altar calls where I say, God's going to make everything in your life amazing and beautiful and a bed of roses. I say it's eternity. It's the way. He's the only way. I'll just state the facts of who he is and why you need him. I'm not going to try to sell you the gospel, though. I don't need to sell you the gospel, and that's funny. They're about to say that. You just state the truth. It's either truth or not truth. We don't need to sell it. There is a bed of roses on the other side, though, isn't there? Come on. There's eternity for us to look forward to, but this life, Jesus doesn't guarantee it. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. We need to remember his words and not try to create our own Christianity based on our perception. See, what happens is we come out of the world, the world has a perception of perfection. Their perception is when you've, when you've attained uh, time, when you have time, right? When I have time, I'm free. When I have money, I'm free. When I have love, I'm free. So they create this picture. Then we, we get saved, we, we become Christians, and we try to bring their picture of perfection into our Christianity. You cannot do that. You have to go to the Word and see what the Word is. Now, I found true love in Christ, first of all, in Him, and second of all, true love in Dawn and I is only found in Him. And there's a fire in between us many times that's getting rid of our chaff, getting rid of our junk, but we found true love there. Come on, there's a truth to their false perception, but there's a price to be paid. The world doesn't understand that there's a price to be paid. We come into Christianity, there was a price. Jesus paid a price, didn't he? In fact, if we want to be really sharp, I don't like this verse, but I'll just quote the Bible. Come on. <laughs> I got to say sharp things. I just don't tell you my opinion. The Bible says, you come to me, some of you will lose houses, you'll lose, even some of them lose husband and wives 
because the one won't just won't. You were both unsaved, and now one's saved, and the other one just will not. Jesus told us that. I didn't say that. The point is there is a price to be paid, but it's worth it. Come on. The price is worth it. It is. Don't let the devil lie to you that it's not worth the price. Don't let him put the pressure on you because he will get you to bow to him and lose it all. Come on, let's read the rest of the story. It says, <laughs> And what God will be able to rescue you from my power? I told you, I've said this before in different verses, I love when, God th- when the devil threatens God. I love when people mock God against me in your life. You should get excited. If people mock God in your life, get excited because God will not be mocked, will he? And I love when the enemy states something, when the devil lies and says, you'll never, come on. I'm not saying he says like, you'll never be a trillionaire because you may not. But when he says, you're never going to have victory in this issue in your life, just get excited. When someone says it verbally, when someone mocks God in your life, get excited because God, when he hears this, his ears perk up. (laughs) Come on, say, I want you to say this out loud. God's ears are perked up. Come on, the enemy's been taunting. Come on, who's been lied to in this season that we've been in? We've had some lies floating around, lying to you, told you you'll always be an addict. You won't be, will you? Come on. Said you'll always be in this place. You'll never have victory. Those are lies from the pit of hell. And the devil's been taunting. He's been, he's been threatening. And the fire, though, is still right there in front of us. Come on. Just because the devil's not going to win doesn't mean that the fire won't come. And I'll show you why. God's going to use the fire. Everybody say it out loud. God's going to use the fire. Why? Because God uses everything. There's no waste in God. He said, you sin, don't worry about it. (laughs) I already got a plan. In fact, I had a plan before you even sinned. Before you even thought of sin, Adam and Eve. I already had a plan in the works because I was with the Father. I was standing next to him when we spoke this earth that you live in, that you fell in into existence. I was right there already with a plan to save you. Come on. Preaching now. In Mark chapter 9, verse 49, it says, Everyone will be tested with fire. And the New King James also says, it continues and says, And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. It says in 1 Peter 1, verse 7, let's read this out loud. I think it's good. Sorry that I'm so interactive, but I feel like sometimes it's good, you know, you can listen. That's one thing. Another thing, when you start to speak it, makes us hear it a little bit, hear it out of your own voice. Let's read this. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Come on. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as Fire tests and purifies gold. I'll read the rest. (laughs) Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through, come on, your faith remains strong through, not 
in front of it, you don't, it says, because you have faith, you don't have to go through it. Come on. You don't have to go through it. No, it says, because you have faith and it's strong, you're going to make it through it. Come on. They will still come, but you're going to make it through it. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor. Let's, re- let's say that out loud. Come on. It's bringing me much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That's worth the price. The devil wants to give you temporary. Come on. Temporary. Just like any sin, come on, sin is for a season. Its pleasure lasts for a season. Who has found that the end of sin wasn't very pleasurable? At all. (laughs) Then you feel a fire. That's a different fire. But God's using it all, isn't he? He's purifying us. God's working He says in verse 16, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I've said this before. You don't need to argue with the devil. Don't even argue. Remember, we don't war against flesh and blood. So a person is taunting you, and they're arguing with you, and they're striking you like a serpent, right, with their words. And I've said this before, you can turn around and laugh, but don't do it to their face. Don't even, get in, don't even get involved with them. We don't need to defend ourselves against the enemy. And he uses, he speaks through people. So don't look at the person, it has nothing to do with them. He used a person, it's not them, it's the enemy. And you just start speaking blessings and life and your life better be lined up in him. You can't just say, well, God's going to take care of me and then go do the very thing they accused you of. But you turn, you stay strong, you stay true, and you know that God's going to be with you, and he will. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. It says in verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. I love that. They say he is... Come on, he is able to save us. But this story doesn't go that way, does it? Come on, I love this story so much. He is able. Come on, everybody say it out loud again. God is able. The only reason when you stayed strong that you went through the fire anyway is because God had a purpose. Come on. The only reason, but don't be surprised. Christians think that as soon as the, man, the lighter opens, forget the fire, someone flicks a lighter open and, oh God, where are you? (laughs) They see a flame and they think that God has abandoned them. Come on. Don't be worried about the fire. Because they said, our God is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. He will rescue us from your power. Come on. The Lord's going to rescue you from the power of the enemy. You stay true. You set your eyes on him. You refuse to bow. God's going to rescue you no matter what. I love this though. Come on. Verse 18. This is such a verse. Christians should have this verse memorized. We should memorize this verse. This is true Christianity right here. God is able, isn't he? And he will save us. 
But come on, look at the lack of faith in these guys. Come on, seriously? Uh, that was a joke. There's no lack of faith here. It's because they realize that this earth, they realize, hey, wait a second. This isn't even our home. We're living in Babylon. We're going to be respectful. We're going to honor you. I'll serve you as far as I can until you push against my faith. But I'm going to be respectful here. But at the end of the day, this is not my home. This is not where my reward is. I have a home that is not here. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't physically save us from the fire, my body may die. Come on. There's a song I like. They may kill the body. What's the words, TJ? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'll paraphrase. It says, they may kill the body, but they can't stop me. They can take the body. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never. Come on, you have to be determined. You start saying it now. I'm not serving this world. And I was thinking, just very quickly, because we don't have a ton of time, but you can do this without ever saying a word. You can be serving this world and bowing down right here. You know, we're so stubborn. <laughs> God's people, he called his own people a stubborn, obstinate people that Jesus still came to redeem. So I'm not accusing us without redemption, but we are stubborn and obstinate. And we put other things before God all the time. We take our ideas. We read the word. We don't understand it. So we kind of create our own perception and just put it right above God. Instead of just saying, well, your word says this. That's it. That's what your word says. I don't understand it. So I'm just going to believe my own thing. Come on. You've heard it. Unfortunately, you've heard it. I don't believe that. This is what I believe. What? This is what I believe. Why don't we just make up our own book then? What do you mean this is what you believe? God is God. It says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you must not have any other God before me. You must not have any other God before me. He said in verse 5, Exodus 20, verse 5, you must not bow down to them or worship them. God's word is his word. You cannot. God commanded it. You know, they're not really demands and commands when they're life to you. If the word is life, it's not even a command. It only, though, God is still God. At the end of the day, if you don't want it to be a command, it is a command. <laughs> it's still a demand and a command. It's like a parent that says, you know, this is your boundaries. You can play in the whole yard, but don't go out in the street. I don't want you playing in the road. If the child understands that, hey, you gave me all this freedom, the demand, the command is not even on their mind. They're enjoying the freedom he gave them. But as soon as you get to that street, come on, you get to the road and that car's coming up the road. First of all, the father is saying, well, it wasn't because I didn't, I wanted to give you boundaries to restrict you from some sort of pleasure that I was denying you from. I was looking out for your good, first of all. But second of all, now you hit the line. Now you're going to find my command. Come on, children, who has found the command back to the house after that? It's where you find the command from the father <laughs> in that moment. But it's not, is it? it it's, it's, there's freedom and life in his word if we just learn to savor it and love it and live by it, isn't it? 
But they said, we're not serving your gods. We've decided we're going we're gonna to bow down to only one God. There's only one God I'm going to bow down to. And so in verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, when you make that declaration, whatever it is, we are constantly being changed into the glory of God, aren't we? It says that even the purpose of the church, right, we can read in multiple places in the word is refining and shaping and molding and teaching and so on so that we grow, it says, until you grow into the stature of Christ. We're constantly growing, becoming more and more like Christ. And so whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to give him, to give up, to get, to change your thinking, to change your actions, the moment we decide, yes, Lord, you're going to feel some pressure. God's going to use it though. Come on, God's going to use that fire, but you will feel it. The enemy gets furious at you and he's, his face became distorted with rage. Who has felt the rage of, of Satan against you? Who has seen God on the other side though? Brought you all the way through. But he does get enraged and he tries to take you out. God always wins. Come on, that's our line. 2018, God always wins. But it says, verse 20, then he ordered because God said so. You don't have to go through anything. Don't throw them in because God's good. Wait a second. It says, then he ordered some of the strongest men to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on. The enemy bound them. Wait a second. These are God's guys, and they're doing the right thing, and they won't bow. And now they're bound up here on, in a place that they didn't even choose to be as it, really everything was taken from them. These guys were eunuchs, remember? And they still decided, I'm going to just trust God. I don't care that everything's been taken from me. I will not bow. I will not bow. And now God has allowed them to be bound. And it says that he threw them into the burning furnace. They were fully dressed. And it says that he heated up the furnace seven times hotter. Heated up the furnace seven times hotter. And it was so hot that in 22, it said because it was so hot that it killed the soldiers as they threw the men in. Come on, everybody. God allowed it to get heat and heated up seven times hotter. Um, we don't, we in Christianity, we stay far from numerology and from number, you know, the world is obsessed with all of those things. But they stole it from the Bible. God wrote the numbers, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Right? On the seventh day, God rested. And if you read the word, you understand the word seven for God, it means perfection. God allowed the enemy to heat the fire in your life to the place of perfecting you. Come on, we read it in Peter. To the place of perfection. He will allow a fire in your life if, if he, because he can see it on their side. He will allow it to heat you to the place that there is no choice. Come on, everything is dying around you. I mean, everything starts dying around you. They died throwing them in, and yet God's going to use it because it says, 
What happens in the fire? Come on, I want you to say it out loud. What happens in the fire is Jesus shows up. Come on. What happens in the fire? Jesus shows up. He allows it to the place where you have no choice but just to rely on him. He allows you to get to that place to the brink of death. He won't let them kill you yet to the very edge of death that you feel like, man, everything's been taken from me. Who am I anymore? There's, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. But it says, come on, here's another, but suddenly, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men? Wow. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. Come on, isn't this amazing? There's a fourth man in your fire. Jesus is right there with you in your fire. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And God is with you. He's with you before it. And he's with you after it. Because these guys had come to a place where they were willing. It says, it says in verse 28, they defied the king's command. They defied the commands of this world and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. And because of that, it says in verse 26, they come out of the fire in verse 27, and it says, not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched and they didn't even smell of smoke. Then in 29, Nebuchadnezzar has no choice but to acknowledge because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That is the purpose. Did you realize that you think you're in the fire? Why me? What are you doing this to me for, Lord? What have I done to you, God? (laughs) What did I do to deserve this? He's purifying you, teaching you to rely on him. And that's this relationship that we have with him. But then something else amazing happens. A light begins to shine from you. Because there's no you left, and you can't help but the world bows down and says, there is no other God. There is no other God who can rescue like this. When they see that you came through the fire and you're still praising God, that you would not bow, the world cannot help but praise Him. And, come on, there's another amazing thing, verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions. Wow. Everybody say the fire is worth it. It's getting rid of the junk in my life. Just taking out all the stuff I didn't need anyway. The only thing I need is the thing that lasts with me into eternity. My relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that I (laughs) was with in the fire. And that's the only thing I came out on the other side with. And that's the only thing I'm going to have for eternity. There's a million other things I could say. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you and praise you for being so good to us. 
Lord, keep working on us. Just keep taking the junk out, Lord. I thank you, God. Teach us to rely on you. We will not bow, Lord, to any other God but you. And all the other little G-gods, Lord, that have taken place, Lord, kill them. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you shine the light in our life, Lord. It might seem small and insignificant. It might seem like this is no big deal. Lord, I pray you would shine your light in every single area of our lives, Lord, if you have to, as you did in their life, Lord, and use the fire to reveal those things, Lord. Reveal our true hearts, Lord. Reveal, Lord, our true, Lord, uh, God in our lives. That when the fire comes, we have no choice but to either submit to it, to bow down to this world and bow down to our desires, or bow down to you. And we thank you, Lord, that when we bow to you, Lord, you are able to save us, and even if it devours our body, we have eternity with you where your Bible says that moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break it and steal, but it is preserved for us forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.